Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We are looking at God's plan for our relationships because we need God's help with our relationships. It's like the guy who was talking to his buddy one afternoon and he said, the biggest problem in my marriage is when my wife gets upset with me, she doesn't get hysterical, she gets historical. Thankfully, God gives us his help for our relationships by his spirit in us, his word before us, and by placing his people around us. The rule for our relationships, and we'll jump right in uh, where we left off last week. The rule for our relationships is vertical before horizontal. We know that Jesus answered the question, what is the greatest commandment of all the law? By saying to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So we know that our vertical relationship with God must take priority over our horizontal relationships with others. When we flip this order, we invite trouble into our relationships. We actually ask our relationships to give us what only God can give us. The rule is vertical before horizontal. The reality of our relationships is we are broken people in relationship with broken people. Though we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, we still battle daily with the sinful desires of our flesh. We think, say, and do things that we shouldn't think, say, and do. And so we know that God has forgiven us in Christ Jesus. We rejoice in this, but we understand we need his help for our relationships. Our relationships are a mess because we are a mess. Tell your neighbor, I'm a mess. Go. Now tell your neighbor, you're a mess. That's true. Listen, we are all, each one of us, and we like pointing out the other more than ourselves, but that's another sermon. Each one of us are a work in progress spiritually. Praise God, he's working in us, transforming us in the likeness of Jesus. Therefore, we need to give and receive encouragement, forgiveness, grace, help, kindness, love, mercy, and patience. God uses our brokenness and messy relationships to remind us of our desperate need to depend on him. God uses our brokenness and messy relationships to remind us vertical before horizontal. So open your Bibles with me this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want us to look at this passage as we continue in this series this morning. Paul wrote to the believers in the church in Corinth. Paul wrote to encourage, instruct, and correct them so they could continue living God's way and loving God's way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse 1. Paul wrote these words, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery or testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. 
My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. The first ingredient that we see here that God wants us to focus on when it comes to having thriving relationships is identity. Identity is how I define myself. It's how you define yourself. Identity answers the question, who am I? My identity influences the way I view and interpret my life, my circumstances, and my relationships. Your identity influences the way you view and interpret your life, your circumstances, and your relationships. Identity plays a vital role in our relationships. The first problem that Paul addressed and corrected with the believers of the church in Corinth had to do with identity. Some of the believers pledged their allegiance to Paul, some to Peter, some to Apollos, and some to Jesus. Paul addressed this in chapter one. Paul was clear when it came to his identity. He was very clear. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter one. Paul wrote in chapter one, verse one, Paul called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will and Sosthenes, our brother. Notice that Paul immediately said, Paul was called. That means Paul was saved by God's grace through his faith in Jesus on the road to Damascus, and Paul was called as an apostle of Christ Jesus by God. God called Paul to salvation. God called Paul into ministry. God called Paul to be a minister and messenger of the gospel. And God is today still calling people into ministry. He's still calling people to be messengers and ministers of the gospel. God is calling people within our church family into ministry. He's calling them within our church family and raising them up for ministry in our church family and beyond our church family. As I shared a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks back, the blessing that God has raised up Kobe McCormick and Kyle Stone within our church family and they are now serving as our student ministers. God raised them up within our church family, within our ministry. He's growing them up. He's raising them up. He's training them up. And we share that they are our student ministers. They're doing a phenomenal job with our student ministry already. And God's using them within our church family to minister to us and to our students. I share with you the joy of Diego Silva. And Diego is a senior at Lone Star. And Diego is also been called into ministry. And God's using him in the leadership within our student ministry, a student leading students. God's doing his great work in our student ministry. But God's not finished yet with his work in our midst. God's raising up folks within our ministry, in our preschool ministry, within our student ministry, within our children's ministry, and the leadership of Sheila and Kelly. God's at work in our midst in all kinds of areas. And it's exciting to see God at work in our midst, especially when he calls people from within to take that step into ministry. He's placed a call on their lives 
for ministry. And so it's incumbent upon us as their church family to acknowledge, to see, and to verify and affirm that call and to help them, whether that call is here or whether that call is beyond. And so it's my joy and privilege to share with you another blessing that God has blessed us with as a church family. God's raised another member of our church family up and God has called him into ministry. God's placed his call uh, of ministry on this brother's life and we are so excited that God has made it clear to us as a leadership that it's God's time for him to take that step up and God's called him to take that step up and to serve with us and to serve with uh, us, one one another, uh, and all the different areas of our church family as we look to expand our ministry beyond. And so I am talking about Al Gaines. Brother Al Gaines, where you at, Al? Come on, stand up here with me, Al. Nana, come on up with Al. And uh, some of you may be thinking, well, I already thought he was on staff. Uh, and, and I know that may be the case, but go ahead and come on, stand up here with me. Uh, this is Al Gaines and his wife, Nana. And Al and Nana have been faithful, faithful members, servants, leaders in our church uh, for many, many years. And uh, God placed his call into ministry on Al years and years and years ago. And Al knew this. And Al, since this, and over the past few years, Al has been more open to that call, talking about that call, seeking that call, praying to God about that call, following God's call in the ministry, serving in that calling. Uh, And we've had multiple conversations, and God has made it clear to Al and to Nana, to our leadership, our elders, and the leadership within our church family, that now is the time for Al to take that step officially and to join us on staff as our minister of connection. Al will be ministering, yes, 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 yes. Al will be leading us in the area of connection, connecting with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ within our church, connecting with our community uh, as we seek to help them come to know Jesus and grow in Jesus, and then helping to connect us with all of our ministries, even beyond our community, uh, to the nations. And so we're excited, but I want to just let you know, I am so excited for God's call on your life and your, his work and you, Anne and Nana and your leadership, you guys are a dynamic duo of ministry, of love, of service to King Jesus. And we are blessed by your presence with us. And you've already been a blessing to us. You're gonna continue to be a blessing to us as God uses you to help lead us, to challenge us, to stretch us as we connect within and without with all those that God's bringing our way. We will commit to continue to encourage and love and serve you guys as you lead out and service and continue to do that within our church family. We're so excited about what God has in store in the days to come. All right, you go ahead and have a seat. Y'all give them a hand again. It is so exciting to join God in his work. Now let's look, continue in verse two, 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse two. Look at what Paul said. To the church of God at Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints with all those in every place who call in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. 
Paul referred to these believers as the sanctified saints in Christ Jesus. God had called them to salvation by his grace through their faith in Christ Jesus. God set them apart from sin and set them apart to the Savior Jesus. They were members, notice what, what Paul said, they were members of the church of God at Corinth. Now we look in chapter 2 and verse 1, look in verse 1 of chapter 2. Paul affirmed this and he said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, say that with me out loud, brothers and sisters. Paul affirmed this point of identity. He referred to them as his family, his brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul called, saved, appointed as an apostle, brothers and sisters, members of God's family. Paul got his identity vertically in Jesus. Paul got his identity vertically in Jesus. And God wants us to get our identity vertically in Jesus. We are sanctified saints in Christ Jesus. God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus. God has set us apart from sin and set us apart to the Savior Jesus. Scripture urges us. It literally cries out and shouts to us the message, get your identity vertically in Jesus. John said, yet to all who received him, he gave them the right to become children of God to those who believed in his name. Luke said, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved than the name of Jesus. Paul said, or Peter rather said, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may declare the praises of the one who calls you out of darkness in the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. You were once not a people, but now you are God's people. You were once not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Paul said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, praise God, and the new has come. Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul said, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. Paul said, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul said, our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to get our identity vertically in Jesus. He wants us to see ourselves the way God says we are, not the way others say we are. He wants us to get our identity vertically in Jesus. However, too often, we make the mistake of looking for identi our identity horizontally, not vertically. We ask people to make us feel the ways we wanna feel about ourselves. We ask a position to make us feel the way we wanna feel about ourselves. We ask the things of this world to make us feel the way we wanna feel about ourselves, when in truth, these horizontal relationships cannot accomplish that goal. And yet often, we find ourselves looking and literally living by trying to get our identity horizontally instead of getting it vertically. There are many different identity thieves that we have to be aware of as followers of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you a few. 
There could be many more than these that I share, but let me just give you a few. The first is our job. When we get our identity in our job, then we feel good about ourselves when we have a job, when we get raises, when we get bonuses, when we get accolades, when we get acclaim, when we get praise, uh, when others say good things about us, when others uh, reward us, we feel good about ourselves. However, when we get passed over for the promotion that we think we deserve, when we get demoted, when we get blamed for something at work that has nothing to do with us or it's not our fault, when we get let go from our job, we feel bad about ourselves. We question ourselves, we question our value. We begin to think that we're a failure. A second identity thief is our marriage. When we get our identity from our marriage, we feel good about ourselves as long as our marriage is going well, as long as our spouse, our husband, or our wife is doing what we want them to do, saying what we want them to say, as long as there's not a whole lot of conflict, as long as there's peace, as long as everything seems to be good and going okay, and we're getting along and things are rocking and rolling, and there's not too many problems, we feel good about ourselves. However, when our husband or wife doesn't do what we want them to do, when they don't say what we want them to say, when there's arguments and fights all the time, about insignificant things all the way up to significant things when there's when it doesn't feel like they're listening to us they didn't feel like they understand us they they don't get us they don't affirm us they don't bless us they don't meet our needs then we feel bad about ourselves we start to question ourselves start to question our value we begin to feel like a failure whether it's worth it to continue on within our marriage a third identity thief is our kids when we get our identity from our kids, we feel good about ourselves when our kids are successful, when they're doing well, when they're getting good grades, when they are successful in their extracurricular activity, when they're successful at sports, whatever sport they play, when they do what we want them to do and act the way we want them to act, when they're respectful, uh, when they make good choices, when, when their decisions are good decisions, we feel good about ourselves. However, when our kids make bad decisions and bad choices, when they're not respectful, when they don't do what we ask or what we want, when they make bad grades, when they're not a success in their extracurricular activity or the sports they play, when they don't make the team, we feel bad about ourselves. We question ourselves. We question our value. We begin to feel like a failure. A fourth identity thief is popularity. When we get our identity from our popularity, we feel good about ourselves when others like us, when they say nice things to us, when they want to spend time with us, when they enjoy being around us, when our likes, followers, and friends are increasing, we feel good about ourselves. However, when others don't like us, when they don't say nice things to us or about us, when they don't want to spend time with us, when our likes, friends, and followers are decreasing, then we feel bad about ourselves. We question ourselves. We question our value. We feel like a failure. The source of our identity directs our steps. The source of our identity directs our steps. Getting our identity horizontally is idolatry. It's putting the made before the maker, the creator before the creator. Getting our identity horizontally 
causes us to put pressure on people and manipulate people to get them to say and do what we want them to say and do, to get them to say and do what we need them to say and do so that we'll feel good about ourselves. Because we're relying on them to make us feel good about ourselves. And if they don't, then it creates stress in us and it leads us to put more pressure on our friends and it leads us to manipulate more and do more and more things to try to get what we need because what we're wanting and what we need is coming from that horizontal relationship. Getting our identity horizontally leads to comparison. Listen, when we seek our identity horizontally, it's always going to lead to comparison. We're going to compare because there's no other way to get a gauge. We're going to compare ourselves, our jobs, our marriages, our kids, and our popularity, how many friends we got, how much people like us with others. We're going to compare. And comparison leads to the sin of pride when we feel like we're doing better than those we're comparing ourselves to. I mean, I'm better than them. I got more than that. I, my job's better than that. Look at what art fills us up with the sin of pride. Comparison leads us to the sin of jealousy, envy, even gossip and slander when we compare ourselves and we feel like, oh, we don't measure up. They got more than we got. They're doing better than what we're doing. Comparison is the warning light in our lives that flashes when we are seeking our identity horizontally rather than vertically. Comparison is that light that flashes that lets us know we're off. We're off. Check the engine of our walk with the Lord. We're off. We're seeking our identity horizontally, not vertically. Listen, getting our identity horizontally also hurts our relationships. It hurts our relationships. It calls us to ask our relationships to give us what only God can give us. We all have different roles and relationships horizontally. Listen now. We all have them. And they're from God to us. We all have different roles, different relationships different responsibilities horizontally. And they're from God, meant to bless us and to allow us to be a blessing to those God's placed around us. Here's the point. We must not get our identity from them. We must not get our identity from them. We must get our identity vertically from God in Christ Jesus. Our vertically, our, our identity vertically in Jesus tells us we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Our identity vertically in Jesus tells us we are forgiven by God and his grace in and through the blood of Jesus Christ that he showed on the cross of Calvary for us. Our identity vertically in Jesus reminds us that we are free in Jesus and when the sun sets us free, we are free indeed. Our identity vertically in Jesus reminds us that we are victors in Christ Jesus. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. It reminds us greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. It reminds us that we can consider it all joy whenever we face trials of many kinds because the testing of our faith develops endurance and endurance must have its complete effect in our lives so that we can be mature and complete, lacking nothing. See, our identity vertically in Jesus reminds us that no weapon formed against us shall prosper and nothing and no one can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus. 
That is what our identity vertically in Jesus gives us that no one else can give us. And our identity in Jesus is the foundation for how we view ourselves, others, our circumstances, and our relationships. It's the foundation of how we view ourselves in regards to the circumstances that come our way and the relationships. We're able to be who God wants us to be and do what God wants us to do in those relationships so that those relationships can thrive because we're not relying on them to give us our identity. Our identity is in Christ. It's in Christ Jesus. Three traits that we see in this passage when our identity is vertically in Christ Jesus. Three traits, they're right here. Number one is humility. Humility. We'll be full of humility. Look at verse two of chapter two. Paul wrote, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What a great, great verse. A sermon in and of itself, but let me just summarize. Paul was humble. Paul was an apostle of Christ Jesus called by God. Notice where, what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying, my identity is in Jesus, my focus is on Jesus, and my preaching and teaching is intentionally about Jesus. Paul said, I decided. That means he made the intentional decision as he came to Corinth that he was going to preach and teach the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That he was going to preach and teach Jesus Christ crucified, risen, and exalted. That he was going to preach and teach the good news of the gospel of Jesus. He made the intentional decision that he was going to preach the power of the gospel by the power of God at work in him. Paul made much of God and not himself. Why? Because Paul's identity was vertically in Jesus and he was full of humility. He went about making much of God and not himself. And when our identity is vertically in Jesus, we will be humble. We'll be humble we'll know that all we are and all we have is from the Lord. We will know that we didn't ask for anything. We will know it's all from God. And we will know we are his stewards, his managers, his servants to point others to him, not ourselves. We will make much of God, not ourselves. We will not brag, post, and boast about ourselves and about what we know, about who we are, and about what we're doing. No, we're going to tell others about our almighty God. We'll post about him. We will decrease. Why? So that he can increase. That's when our identity is vertically in Jesus. We're humble. We don't have to go around trying to make everybody think we're something that we're not. Because we understand and realize what Paul said in chapter 1. As he finished chapter 1, he said this. The only thing we can boast in is that we know the Lord. That's my boast. My boast is I know the Lord Jesus. That's my boast. God's given me that boast, praise the Lord. That's my boast. That's your boast. So we know the Lord. We know the Lord. And so we see when our identity is in Christ Jesus, we're going to be humble. But I love what Paul says here. Second is honesty. The second trait is honesty. Look at what Paul said in verse 1. When I came to you, brothers and sisters, announcing the mystery or testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. Paul was humble and Paul was honest. 
Paul said, listen, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't come and try to impress you with my superior speech. I'm not trying to impress you with my wisdom, with my understanding, with my knowledge. Paul said, I'm not doing that. Though Paul was highly educated, brilliant, and extremely gifted, Paul said, that's not what I'm about. That's not why I came to you. You see, Paul was not trying to win those people to him by his personality. Paul was trying to point them to Jesus by the truth of Jesus. That's why he preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so Paul said, listen, I'll be honest with you guys. When I came to you, I, I wasn't trying to impress you. You see, what was going on at this time, background, is that there were other pastors, there were other leaders, there were other ministers that tried to impress people by who they were. And they even often made comments about Paul, and they would say, Paul's not very impressive. Because at this point in time, in this day, eloquent speech, as we've shared recently in past sermons, eloquent speech and flowery speech was highly prioritized. And, and Paul said, I'm not about that. I'm going to come and I'm just going to preach Jesus. And so Paul was honest with them. I love his humility. I love his honesty. Look at what he says in verse 3. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Wow, that's some serious honesty. Paul's saying, I didn't come to you full of self-reliance and self-confidence. I came to you with God confidence. He said, actually, I came to you in weakness. What does that mean? It means Paul knew he needed God's help to preach God's word by God's power to God's people. He came in weakness. He wasn't coming and saying, look at me. He was coming to say, look at the Savior Jesus. He said, I came in fear and in much trembling. And fear there is talking about reverence and awe of God. Much trembling means that Paul fully understood. And within him, it's almost like today, he would say, there were, there were butterflies. I have butterflies inside when I came to you. He came in fear and awe of God and reverence of God and in much trembling. What does that mean? It means this. Paul was aware of the weight of the holy calling on God on his life to preach and teach the gospel. And so Paul wasn't being flippant. He wasn't being lazy. And he wasn't being prideful. He said, I, I, I came in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. I, Paul, like, like many pastors today, should be all pastors, and hope and pray it is. But certainly most. Paul, like most pastors today, was well aware of and had a fear of not preaching the good news of the gospel boldly, clearly, and faithfully as it should be preached. And I can assure you, as I read this passage, I mean, I, I, I can lock arms with Paul in this sense. There's not a time where I stand to preach or teach the word. On a Sunday, on a Wednesday, whatever the context may be, there's not a time where there's not trembling inside where there's not butterflies, where there's not a, almost a, an, an unease in my spirit, not from what God's called me to do and, and he's going to do it, but just the fear of myself of the, the weight of the call that God's placed on my life. And what Paul is telling us here is when our identity is vertically in Jesus, we're going to be humble, but we're also going to be honest. 
We'll be honest with folks. There's no reason not to be honest. God knows us. He knows the good, bad, and the ugly about us. God has forgiven us past, present, and future sins by the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. God's at work in us. God's making us more like Jesus. God's using us to help others come and draw closer to Jesus. And so there's no reason for us not to be honest. Listen, one of the ways that we're able to have those thriving relationships, one of the ways we're able to minister to one another is we got to be honest with one another. We got to let one another know when we're hurting. We got to let one another know when we're struggling. It's so easy to come in and out of a large setting like this and give the spiritual church answers and say, yes, everything is great. Man, I had a great week when everything was collapsing, truth be told. I'm doing great this morning when in reality, you're at the breaking point. You see, it's that honesty that we get from a verticality in Jesus, our identity that allows us not necessarily just to, to dump and to pour out and to ear other things out or other folks out with our brothers and sisters Christ, but to honestly be able to say, you know what, I'm not doing well. And if it wouldn't be too much trouble, would you just pray for me? Would you just lay hands on me right now and pray for me? We may not even necessarily have to give them all the details, but it's that honesty that opens the door for ministry. Scripture tells us we're to meet one another's needs and we're to carry one another's burdens. Well, we got to know one another's needs and burdens to be able to carry and meet them. And that comes through us developing that, that honesty with us, being honest with God and our relationship with him, humble before him, honest with him. His eyes are honest and his ears are open to our cry for help. That humility and honesty is evidenced in, in falling on our knees before the Father in prayer when we're together in big groups, prayer when we're in our life teams, prayer when we're in our own prayer closet at home when we're by ourselves, praying and, and exercising that honesty and that dependence on the Lord. The third characteristic we see, the third trait, is hope. Look what Paul said in verses 4 and 5. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Paul said, my hope, my hope is in the power of God, not my wisdom. Paul said, my hope is that your faith will rest on the power of the Holy Spirit of God moving and working in you, not on my wisdom to try to persuade you to put your faith in Jesus. Paul's hope was in God who alone is mighty to save. Paul's hope was in God who is able to change lives for eternity. He let these folks know, listen, I'm not coming to try to convince you of anything. Uh, I'm not coming to try to persuade you because of who I am, because of what I'm saying, because of what I'm doing, because of how I like. No, 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 I'm coming and I'm just going to preach Jesus and I am praying and relying and trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit of God to come and to take ownership of you so that your faith and trust and your response to the truth of the word will be based on the Spirit's power, not on human wisdom. He said, because Paul knew he's going to leave and go somewhere else. And if it was based on him when he left, what would they do? And so we see that when our identity is vertically in Jesus, we will have hope. Hope is the confidence and assurance that God will do what he's promised to do in his word. 
Hope is the confidence that God is with us by his spirit in us. Hope is the confidence that he will be with us to the end of the age. Hope is the confidence that God who started a good work in us will carry it on the completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Hope is the confidence that our God will meet all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Hope is the confidence that God will never fail us, forget us, leave us, or forsake us. Hope is the confidence when we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he will forgive us of our sins and purify, cleanse us of all our unrighteousness. Hope is the confidence that Jesus is coming back for us one day. And we are going to spend eternity with him in glory. You see, identity plays a huge role in our relationships. When I embrace my identity vertically in Jesus, I am free, get this, to be the hands and feet of Jesus in my relationships. And the same is true for you. But listen to this. When I embrace my identity vertically in Jesus, I want to be the hands and feet of Jesus in my relationships. I want to not only look at my interests, but I want to look to the interests of others. In humility, I want to consider others better than myself. I want to encourage those in my relationships to stand firm in their faith in Jesus. I want to encourage those in my relationships to persevere in their faith in Jesus. I want to comfort those as I have been comforted by God. I want to encourage those as I have been encouraged by God. I want to forgive those as I have been forgiven by God. I want to show grace to those as I have been shown grace by God. I want to serve others in love. I want to serve those in my relationships. I want to give myself away, not because of what I'm going to get, but because of what I've already got from God in Christ Jesus, I want to just pour myself out as a drink offering, a sacrifice of praise to God, which then flows out in my sacrifice to myself, to those in my relationships. You see, I, when I embrace, and when you embrace, when we embrace our identity vertically in Jesus, we want to build up and bless one another in Jesus' name. We want to build up and bless one another because you see, our identity in Jesus keeps us from asking, expecting, needing, and demanding others give us what God has already given us in Christ Jesus. We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And every literally means every. The source of our identity directs our steps. When our identity is vertically in Jesus, he directs our steps. And when Jesus is directing our steps, he blesses us. He gives us everything we need, every moment of the day, every step of our way, and then he empowers us to be a blessing to all of the relationships that he's given to us. And when that happens, our relationships thrive. Because the truth of the matter is we thrive because our needs and our significance and our security and our value 
is found in Jesus. And he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's renew our commitment to make sure this morning that we get our identity vertically in our relationship with Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of invitation. It's our time of response. The altar is open as it always is to come and, and do business with the Lord. Our prayer partners are going to be standing up here at the front. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you, pray over you. If you've got a need, a care, a concern, this is the time. You don't have to wait. You can go now. They'd love to pray with you, pray for you. God's at work. He's moving. Listen, getting our identity in Jesus begins with a relationship with Jesus. So if you've yet to receive God's gift of salvation by placing your faith in Jesus, then why not today? Why not right here? Why not right now? Say yes to Jesus. Our prayer partners would love to introduce you to Jesus. I'll be standing here, down here. We would love to, I would love to introduce you to Jesus. Our pastors, our elders would love to introduce you to Jesus. That's where that identity begins, is in a relationship with God. As we understand and receive his gift of salvation by his grace at work in our lives right now through our response of faith in Jesus. Jesus has already done the work for us. He took our place on the cross. He paid our price for sin. He lived a perfect life. He was tempted as we are, yet he never sinned. He died on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And on the third day, he rose again by God's power. He's alive. And faith in Jesus is the only way for us to enter a relationship with God. It's the only way for us to receive forgiveness of sins. through the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. And when we enter into a relationship with God, we're able then to get our identity from Jesus, our Savior and our Lord. I'm going to ask as well, Al and Nana, if they would come and stand up here at the front. Uh, as we've done in the past, I want to ask them to come and, and uh, they're going to be standing up here. And I want to ask them to just stand here so that others can pray. Uh, you might have an opportunity to, to pray for them, to pray over them, to encourage them. And uh, uh, we did this with, with Kobe and with with Kyle and uh, their wives, Rachel and Mallory. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if God's leading you, they'll be standing out here as front. The altar is open as it always is. Maybe God's calling you to go into minister a brother or sister in Christ, you know, struggling, going through a challenging time, a difficult time. And this is a time for you uh, to go and minister to them. Time to come, encourage Alanano as God leads. Let's respond in obedience to him. Let's stand and say yes to the Lord this morning.